while you're turning to Romans 13, I, I just want to see if I can connect with, with my peeps here for a minute. Okay, so I need to connect with everybody on this. It's a truth. Sometimes it's hard to wake up. Amen? Amen. Okay, there's some of you that were really slow on that. Uh, sometimes it's really hard to wake up. Okay, Do you, are you with me? Sometimes the alarm goes off and it's not at the time it should go off. Does that make sense? Like not in my internal system. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And here's the reality for me and alarm clocks and early mornings. I love them. I'm a fan of early mornings. I wake up hyper and go to bed late. Okay, that, that's how I function in life. I'm annoying, okay? But here's the problem in my house is that though I enjoy the mornings and I'm cool with the alarm going off. I've got two little girls that my alarm clock is going off for. And so I have to go and get them ready. And in the season of life that we're in, it seems to be filled with early mornings. Early mornings are not necessarily fun. And I've got two different, uh, I've got, you know, four kids at my house, but two of them I'm having to wake up in the mornings for school. And so I want to try to connect with see if you find yourself as like one of my two kids that I have to wake up in the mornings. One, maybe you're a Lucy. The Lucys of this world said about 25 snoozes before they actually feel they need to get up. Okay. And so if they have to get up at seven o'clock, they're good with setting an alarm for about 6.30 and hitting snooze 10 times between then and seven o'clock. And then even after they get to seven, they feel like they can at least snooze two more. Okay, are you, any, are you here? There you go, nice to meet you. Uh, there, there's another person in my family, the Annie Ruth, okay, of this world. And Annie Ruth, she takes her a minute to get up. And, and if it was just a normal, you know, summer day, she'd pop up at 5.30, okay? But since it's not a normal day, it's a school day, it's a little bit more difficult to wake her up. But once she finally has gotten out of the bed, she is full go, okay? Like she is, I mean, full blast, ready to go, alert, loud, talking up a storm, ready to do anything except for the thing I need her to do, okay? So we've got these two different people in my house that I'm waking up. One is still asleep, okay? She somehow works her way back under the blanket in front of some space heater somewhere, okay? Annie Ruth is up, but she's ready to do everything except get dressed and get out the door for school, okay? Can you identify with Annie Ruth? Anybody? So we've got these Lucy's and Annie's, and of course, I, I would never talk about my faults of waking up, but uh, there, there's plenty of them, I can assure you, in my house. But waking up is very difficult for us, and we struggle in, in different ways. When we come to this passage here, Paul is going to speak to us about how in our spiritual life, and, and let me forget what I just said, forget the spiritual life, in our life, we have to wake up to the calling that he has given us and specifically that to love one another, okay? To wake up, get dressed, come eat and go and live loved, 
Okay, that's what he's gonna call us to today. And so if you're there in Romans, join me in verse 11. We're gonna read through the end of the chapter. This is the word of our Lord. It says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Verse 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would take this word and that you would allow us to hear it. You would allow us to see it. And Father, that we would walk out of this place uh, free in your grace to the life that you've called us to, to love other people as you have loved us. Well, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So quickly, just to make sure we're, we're talking about the same thing, Romans chapter 13, verse 11, you've got this phrase. Now we have different uh, English translations in the room. And so some people got the ESV, some people got the NIV, some people got the King James, we've got different ones. I'm gonna use the ESV here. It, the ESV says, besides this, you know the time. Besides this. I'm not sure how pumped I am about that English translation there. But what Paul is saying is this, and if we can understand it rightly, he's saying, I have already told you this whole chapter and the last chapter about a life of genuine love that we're called to, as we have been loved by God and in the love that he has loved us, we are to now love others, love our neighbor as ourself. We're to live that kind of life. And he's motivated us ultimately with the gospel of grace. Grace is our greatest motivator, okay? But in light of that, he gives us this motivation of, he says, hey, when you love, love fulfills the law, okay? And so there's like this motivation of look at what the love does. He's gonna come to this last part of chapter 13 with a, with a different motivation, once again, resting in the truth that we're loved by Christ, that we're bathing and lavished in his grace. But in light of that, he says, I wanna give you another motivation, time, time. It's time for you to wake up. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to do the things that maybe you've been dreaming about. It's time to, to move forward in the life that I've called you to. Love that we're speaking about involves action. Faith that we're talking about involves action. This is a life that we can't just talk about it. We have to wake up and do it. And Paul is gonna move into that kind of motivation. So I want you to recognize the language here. And, and I'm meaning this to be, I, I do think this is a very appropriate outline. I also think it is slightly corny. I'm acknowledging that. And I think it also is memorable. And I think both of those things can be very helpful sometimes, especially the second one. I believe this can help us to think through what it is 
that we are called to in this life and how we ought to respond to the Lord. So I want you to see, first of all, he says to wake up. He says to wake up. Look, Look there at Romans 13, verse 11. He says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. He says, it's time to wake up. Now, what does he mean when he talks about salvation is nearer? Well, I think the primary thing he's saying is this, it's the most obvious. Is he saying, The day when we're with Christ, Christian, because this is written to Christians, the day when you're with Christ is getting closer, like it's closer today than it was yesterday. And this is one of those realities that we don't like to talk about that much. James calls life a mist, like it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. Paul is really speaking in that kind of language. He's saying, listen, your life, it's really quick. And today you're one day closer than you were yesterday. Like you're closer to salvation than you were this time yesterday morning. In light of the time, in light of this, man, you gotta get up. You gotta wake up. You can't keep hitting snooze. You gotta go. You gotta go. Wake up recognize the time. That, that's what I feel like we're doing, man. I go, to, I go to my kids and I'm like, Lucy, it's 6.50. We have to be out the door at 7.49. And sometimes, by the way, I don't speak in the kind dad voice. Like that's the voice that Jesus wants me to have. I don't always speak in the kind voice and I have to like feel sad about it later. But like, I'm like, it's time. It's 6.50. Seven o'clock comes around. It's seven. Like we're almost late already. You have three tardies at six. I'm supposed to go to a meeting with you. Okay, like get up. Okay, like we gotta go. And like, it's this constant thing. Like Paul is saying to us and some of you, listen, listen, it's me too. The Lord is communicating to us and he's gonna be able to do this on so many different levels today. But he's saying, wake up. Like how often do we look in the mirror and then forget? Come on. He's saying, wake up. It's time. Recognize that salvation is closer today than it was yesterday. And can I just say to that point, amen. Can we celebrate it? Like it's one day closer to when he makes me new, to when he makes everything new. Like it's one day closer. Amen. On the second part of that though, listen, it's one day closer. We got to get up. We got to get up. That's what he's saying here. Wake up. Wake up. Side note. Our wake up, what, what our lives as we have gotten up to, the, the lives that we have awakened to, they don't always look the same. Okay? So what I mean by that is this. Ten years ago, when I read this scripture, encouraged by this scripture, my wake time looked a lot different. 10 years ago, I was in a different season of life. 10 years from now, I'll be in another season of life. Lord willing, if I'm I'm walking this earth, listen, my wake time will be different. There are things that I cannot wisely do at 34 with four very 
young kids at my house that I might could have done when I was in college. There are things that I cannot wisely do that would be something wonderful to do in your awake time that I can't do today that I might can do in 15 years. There are things that if you're at a season of life, let's say that you're at an age where you can't do the things that you used to do. You don't feel like you can use the gifts like you used to uh, use your gifts. There are things that you have left for you in whatever season of life you're in that is, that is very uh, necessary. It is very wonderful. And it's something that God intends for you to be a blessing in, in this season of awake time, wherever you are. So I want you to know your awake time matters, but everybody's awake time doesn't look the same. I was thinking about this. We can't, like, I can't get on Instagram or get on, you know, some form of social media or or look around. I can't even just watch people in my life to get an idea of what my awake time should be like. I can be super uh, motivated, encouraged, spurred on, all of those things by the life of other people. But, but what other people do in their awake time is not necessarily what the Mache house needs to look like. With that being said, I also want you not to miss this, even though we gotta seek wisdom for what our time should look like. Never think that your awake time can be lived down in your own capacity. We talked about that last week. We, we can't love other people in our own power. We can't live the life that God's given us in our own power, even though it needs to be an individual thing where we we seek God's wisdom on how to live on our awake time. It's not in our own power or our capacity. It's by his grace. It's by his power within us. It's the work of his spirit. I I think this makes so much sense when you read the book of Ephesians. And I'll I'll read this for you. Uh, Ephesians chapter five, verse 15, very clear well-known verse. Like you, you, will, you will remember it when I read it more than likely. The apostle Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. He could say how you spend your awake time. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will is. And, and you'll remember the next part. He says, don't get drunk with wine or don't be controlled with wine or anything else. Don't be controlled by anything else, but be controlled by the spirit. See what he's saying is this, he's like to live the life, to make the best use of the time, to spend your awake time as you ought, it's gonna take walking in the spirit of God. Walking in his wonderful grace and the love that he has for you. We'll talk a little bit more of what that looks like in this next part. So, so first of all, we have to wake up. But the second part is this. We have to get dressed. We have to wake up and then we have to get dressed. Look, look at, let me flip here in my Bible. I'm using this piece of paper and I'm gonna keep having to flip it over. Romans 13, verse 11 and 12. Okay, he says, for salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, here we go, it starts picking up the language. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. And he's gonna give us things that we should not walk in. And then he's gonna say in response to, okay, don't walk in these things. Don't walk in this immorality. Don't walk in this jealousy. But instead, 
put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What he's saying is this, you gotta wake up, you gotta recognize the time, but now it's time for us to get dressed. And what we put on really makes a difference for what we're gonna do during the day. You feeling it? You follow me? Nod, give me, give me nods, I know you're with me. I'm hyper, okay? I, I need you hyper in your minds, okay? You with me? All right, so get dressed. So what, what is Paul saying? Paul here is saying that we must begin to put on who we are before we start thinking about what we're called to do. I love this. The most important thing that we need to do is not evaluate our to-do list, but recognize who we are in Christ. Recognize who I am in Jesus Christ because of my faith in him, because of what he's accomplished for me, because of what he's given to me. In light of that, I, I have to learn who I am in Christ and how to dress like it, live like it, and even fight like it. I have to put on the right things for the day. Now let's consider what that might look like. First, I, I think you get a hint here in, in verse uh, 12. He says, so then let us cast off the works of darkness. Okay, and we'll talk more about what that can look like in just a minute. Cast off the works of darkness. But he says, and put on the armor of light. Okay, that, that sounds sweet and spiritual and something that you would have done like as a prop in VBS. Okay, let's put on the armor. We got the helmet on, we got the breastplate on, we got, we got that. But I want us now to think about moving past that picture we have that seems like something you do as a kid. And I want you to think about what we must put on to live. All right, hold your place in Romans, flip over to 1 Thessalonians chapter five. I think this gives us an insight that we need to understand what it means to put on the armor of light. All right, we're gonna pick up in, in verse four. This is probably not gonna be on the screen, so, so far I didn't tell them in time, but look, look with me. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse four. Here it is. Paul says, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. And once again, let me be clear. Everybody in the world is not children of light. This is referring to those who are in Christ. So if in this room today, this passage is encouraging to those who are in Christ. For those outside of Christ, if you don't believe, may this draw you to him, okay? But recognize what it says. For you are all children of life. He's speaking to the church, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So he's saying, wake up. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And here it is. This is the insight that we need. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love 
and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. See, what we see here is he's saying, put on the armor of light. He's saying, put on faith, hope, and love. Like that's what we have to fight. Put on faith, hope, and love. That is our armor. Here in Romans 13, he says, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness, but put on faith, hope, and love. Put it on. Now, well, how, how do we do that? Well, let's keep, let's keep moving on down the passage. We see this picture of the armor of light. We also see that we're to cast something off, but we're to put on what? The Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the greatest like truths that we can walk out in this room with that the Bible gives us some practical ways to think about a spirit filled life. And he's saying, this is what you are to do. You got to take off the old clothes and you got to put on the new ones. You got to take off what's not true about you in Christ and put on what is. You've got to take off the guilt and you got to put on the truth that you're loved and accepted. You got to take off the shame And you've got to put on what's true about you in Jesus Christ. An unashamed child of God. You've got to take off that addiction and you've got to be controlled by something else. Put him on. You've got to take off that lust. It doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. And you've got to put on something else. And it's the love of God. We've got to learn to take off the old and we've got to put on the new. We've got to not only wake up, recognize the time, but we've got to get dressed in the right clothes. And I realize how corny that sounds, but are you you feeling it though? I mean, this is what he's calling us to do. We can't just think that we can walk out the door. We can't, we've got to do, there's particular things that we must understand and we must be putting on, we must be believing. Putting on Jesus Christ is believing in his finished work for us, is believing who we are in him. The the clothes are something like this. It's called the gospel. And it's recognizing more of who Christ is, what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, what he's still to do, and who I am in him. What is mine in Christ Jesus? To the extent that I get that is the clothes that I have on. Do you understand? And here's the problem. The problem in the church is that people believe that because they have heard an aspect of the gospel or they put on one aspect that they put on everything. And I want you to understand that's not necessarily true. Like there's nobody in this room that you're like part of you is saved and other parts not. So understand this isn't an idea that we're trying to throw around that says that some of you are partly saved and, and, you know, and you're missing some other part of you. That, that's not what we're talking about. There's a finished work that was accomplished for you if you're his child on the cross. He's proven it in the resurrection. Like it's ours, it's yours. If it's not grace, then it's something else. I don't even believe it if it's not grace. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? It's either grace or it's not. It's either gospel or it's not. Don't make up something that's only part grace or part truth. Like this, for us, some of us though, this is what's happened. Even though Christ knows who we are, we don't know who we are. 
And so you know maybe an aspect of truth. So you sit here and you go, okay, I am forgiven of my sin. I am forgiven of my sin. No more guilt. But what you've missed is this other truth that goes right alongside of it. And is this, is that in Christ, you're not only forgiven, but you're accepted. In Christ, you're not only forgiven, but you're welcomed into the household of faith. God's your father. He loves you. He cares for you. He covers you. And so like, you know, part of it, I'm forgiven. You don't live maybe with the guilt, but you don't live with the assurance that you're hugged. You understand? Like, it's not the same. Like, there's more. The, the Puritans used to call it gospel wakefulness. It's like this part of you that like you, you learn more about the Lord and then you wake up to this truth and then it, you feel like, I, I don't even know if I ever believed. Okay, that, expect that for all of eternity. Except with the knowledge that you are loved and cared for. Like there's so much, the, the, the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of the love of Christ. It's learning more and more of what that is and putting it on. Get rid of the lies, get rid of the junk and put on the promises that are ours in Christ Jesus. And so we've got to learn to take off things like guilt and shame and addiction and unbelief. We've got to learn to, to take off the anxiety, people. And listen, don't hear this. At this church, at least from this guy right here, never hear me saying that, that the only problem with anxiety is a spiritual problem. Because I'm not saying that. My friends, I don't say that your cancer doesn't need medicine. I'm not gonna say that your mental health doesn't, okay? I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this, is there's a part of us, there's a worry, there's an anxiety. There is, there is something that we are, we've gotta take it off and in its place, put in the truth of God's sovereignty and his goodness and let him cover us and walk in that. We've gotta to learn to take off bitterness, Take off envy and jealousy. We've got to learn to take off racism. It's got to go. Take it off. Take off fear. We've got to take off ungodliness and put on in its place the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the gospel. Let's try to get a little more insight on how to do that. Okay, so we've got to wake up. We got to get dressed. And folks, we got to come eat. We got to come and eat. And th this one sneaks in there a little bit. This one, uh, look with me there, kind of on the tail end of what we've just looked at. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And what Paul's doing here is he's helping us get a little uh, broader picture. And so, you know, for me, it's real helpful to think about clothes. You know, we gotta take off our PJs and put on our clothes. We gotta take off the old, put on the new. We've gotta do that. It's, that, that helps me. When he talks about provision here, and he's gonna talk about it in the negative, he's also gonna imply that there's something that we need to uh, do in the positive. And so he says, make no provision. There's another translation that some of you are familiar with and it goes something like this. Do not feed the flesh to gratify its desires. So when we see make no provision for the flesh, we need to recognize, see a dinner table and imagine a flesh that like, let's say that we, we have believed and 
we're, we're walking in the Lord. And, you know, we all recognize in Christ that there is still part of us that's fighting against the work of the spirit, the flesh. But let's just imagine that the flesh is really puny and tiny, skinny, he's weak. He's all of those things. Okay. Let's imagine, though, that we go to the table. We've, we've woken up. We're desiring to put on the Lord Jesus. But instead of doing that, we sit at the table and we feed the old self. So let's not think as much in clothes anymore. Let's think in terms of person. He says, make no provision for the flesh. There are certain things that we feed on that feeds the flesh and doesn't work towards us walking in the spirit. And what he's saying in his ears, don't feed the flesh, walk by the spirit. It matters what you feed on. That's his point. So what I don't want to do is give you a new form of legalism today. So I want to go ahead and release you from that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not going to tell you what you can watch and what you can't watch and what you can do and what you can't. I'm not even going, we're not going into that. What we're saying is this, is if what we do and if what we watch and if where we go and if how we think makes provision for the flesh, then we got to stop it. We got to take it off. We've got to remove it. We've got to get rid of it. It's not what we need to feed on. He says, it matters what you wear. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, wear the armor of light. And it matters what you feed on. Don't feed the flesh to gratify its desires, but instead feed on the promised word of God. God's promised word is described in scripture in numerous ways, but one of those ways is food. You'll remember Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter eight when he says, man shall not live on what? On bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isaiah 55 says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? He says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. He says, man, feed on the right things. Listen, every time Keith and I step up before you, anytime we're around you, I, I hope and pray and I believe this, that anytime your teachers, anytime the ministry leaders, anytime somebody stands before you with God's word at Alberta Baptist Church, our desire is to hand you a steak dinner to eat on. Like, that's what I wanna do. Like, I wanna bring to you the steak dinner of God's word and let you feast on it. I hope we're doing that right now. I hope you're eating away. I hope you're getting full, okay? Like, I hope it's fun. I, I want you to do those things. That's what we desire. We want you to eat it up, to take it in, to enjoy it. But we need his word filling our mind and taking control of our thoughts and transforming the way we see everything. And I just wanna throw it out there to you that we have the gift of the Bible to take with us. And my friends, Feast on it. Feast on it. I, I, I love a, a quote I heard recently, and it, it could be taken out of context, but, but work with me for a second. This is a person they had been struggling with, with some deep anxiety and had some great struggles that they had gone through. And at the end of it, kind of came out and said this. They said, listen, Jesus Christ saved my soul, but God's word has been saving my mind. 
God saved my soul in Christ Jesus, but his word has been saving my mind. Listen, we got to fill our minds with the right things. And once again, I'm not, I'm not trying to get on, getting you to walk out of here and, you know, think I've given you a new legalism. This isn't legal. This is the most free thing you can walk in. Walk in the, the mind of the Lord and gain his mind. And there's so many ways to do this. I mean, obviously read, man, read the Bible. And, and in just a, probably two or three weeks, we will go ahead and release like what our Bible reading plan will be for next year. And, and what I would suggest to you is this, the same thing I suggest to myself. And it's gonna be something like this. You need to practice habits today that you want to have tomorrow. Okay. And so like, if you say, Hey, first of the year, I'm going to jump on this reading plan and I'm going to fill my mind. I'm going to do all this. Man, fill your mind today. We'll, we will give you more. We'll give you some tools. We'll give you some help. But, but like, go ahead and begin, man, work in your routine, man. Make a habit out of feeding on God's word. What we feed on matters for what we have for the day. I I would suggest read some good books. Read some good books. There's a lot of good ones out there. Man, come ask us. I'll I'll tell you, man, you want to know some of the books I'm reading? I'm reading two or three right now. I'll throw some out there to you. You want to come and ask me? Come catch me in the hallway. What are some books that would encourage your soul? I'll tell you. Listen to some good music and, and, can I be real clear? I love me some 90s country. Okay, can I just throw it out there? Like, it's, I'm going to go ahead and don't think I just drive down the road listening to Hillsong all day. Okay, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not a person that's naturally drawn necessarily to just listen to worship music while I drive in my vehicle. I, I like 90s country. That's what, that's what I would am drawn to listen to. But what I learn about myself is this. 90s country doesn't necessarily feed my soul. Okay, can I, can I just, Amen. I like it. It don't feed my soul. Learn to incorporate good music, good books, good things to listen to and good things to watch into your daily routine that feed your soul. Okay. As negative as the internet can be, one of the greatest gifts we have we can listen to basically sermons, any sermon we want to all around the world. Some of the most encouraging speakers, some of the greatest music, some of the greatest things out there that can possibly encourage uh, a soul outside of the scripture. And of course they're outside the scripture pointing to the scripture, but we've got it. Use the internet for something redeemable and wonderful. Hear God's word and feed on the right things. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Now, our final point today, and we are gonna end right here. It's just simply this. We are to wake up and recognize the time, get dressed, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, wear the armor of light, Uh, come and eat, feed on the right things. And then lastly, live loved. Now, I've already 
read this to you like three times and I'm, I'm not trying to get props from my sweet, beautiful spouse. She's not even in the room right now, okay? That is not what I'm trying to do. I, I will say something she wrote was one of the most encouraging things I've heard in a long time. And I wanna share it with you again. I just shared it a few weeks ago. I'll share it one more time. I'll probably share it again. I won't say one more time. But Catherine Mache writing about our kids going to their first day of school. This is what she wrote about them. Now she, she spent a time, you know, just talking about how precious they are. And, and we, we had homeschooled for kindergarten and first grade and then had Lucy and Annie go the, the first day to Maxwell Elementary uh, this, this past school year, one in second grade, one in kindergarten. Here's what Catherine wrote. She wrote a lot of stuff, but she ended it like this. She said, I'm praying for you, my babies. Go and have fun at school, make new friends, learn new things, and live like you are loved because you are. Now, here's my point. My kids are radically, radically different because they are loved. Does that make sense? The way they respond, the way they go to school, the way they function, radically different because they are loved and they know it. When we talk about this, putting on the right clothes, putting on the Lord Jesus, when we talk about bathing ourselves, being lavished in who we are in Christ, being lavished in God's promised word over us and living in light of that truth, it is Paul saying to us here in this book, he is saying, Christian, live like you're loved because you are. Go in that. Go out in that wonderful power and in that grace. Today, if you're struggling with whether or not you're in Christ, oh, come talk. Come talk, because in Christ, our hope is found. If today you're, you sit and you're struggling with how to put on and how to eat with the things that are going in your life, maybe there is a bitterness, maybe there is an envy, maybe there is something that you need personal prayer over, please come. I would love to pray with you. Contact us. I, I want everybody connected in a small group. If you're not connected in a life group, make it a priority to get in one for this time, I mean, for next year. When we start in January, get in one. One of the greatest things that we have in our church, our small group ministries, our Sunday school and our life groups. Get connected so there's somebody else, there's other people that can know you and pray for you and you can go to with some of these things. Let people pray over you and send you out. May you know through the people at this church that you are loved because you are. Live like it, live like you're loved because we love you, because God loves you and send you out. Father, I pray whatever is going on, whatever is taking place in the room today, in the hearts and the lives of the people before me, Lord, I pray for my own soul, my own life. God, may you lead and guide and direct. May your Holy Spirit be alive and active here in this room today, drawing us to Jesus Christ and pushing us to a life where we love others because we are fueled by the love that you have for us. 
God, may you change this community. May you change our homes. May you change our lives because of Christ, because of the love that you have for us, seen most clearly in him, dying in our place and raising that we may have life. May we lean in on the love that you have for us so that we may be able to lean into this world and love others as we've been loved by you. God, make a great difference in this church today through the reading and the teaching of your word. We pray in Christ's name, amen.